All right, our first question from Leanne Ernster. It says, a new 192nd Avenue bridge is the answer. I'd be encouraging, it would be encouraging for our city to see Tim Levitt appear for these important events rather than let the people lead without him. The question, when will Tim Levitt step up and become an active participant in solutions and people-oriented action rather than task-oriented defense responses? We'll have to save that one for the mayor. All right. Consecutive ones here. This one's from Matt Ernster. Why is it that our elected officials are not fully aware of the outrageous costs that we as the people would have to pick up the tab? Why are our elected officials not listening to the voices of the people? Why is there no financial accountability in the CRC project? You want to discuss that one a little bit? Again, when, when we examine policy, what we're looking at is how, how uh, incentives are aligned, which is one reason that we like to bring private competition, managed competition, into public projects because uh, people respond to incentives. And I think in this case, public officials are making the calculation, and I don't know what the details of politics are, but they don't, if you're an elected official and you don't see a downside to supporting a light rail project or the spending that goes with it, you're going to support it. If you see that there's a movement against it and it will lead to trouble in your next re-election, then you're going to tend to be against it. So I think it just depends on how the political incentives are aligned when it comes to uh, working on this project. Just to give you some idea of how dysfunctional uh, oversight of state agencies is from the legislature, and I use the word oversight loosely here, <clears throat> the appropriations process down in Salem is something that I participate in sometimes. And when ODOT had their budget up for review by the particular subcommittee of the full committee, <clears throat> we're talking days of meetings, two, two or three hour meetings, to look at the budget, and at some point there's a public hearing where anybody can come in and testify. And what usually happens is special interest groups like the truckers and the AAA and others, they all come in and bless the budget and say what a great job is going on. And legislators admit that they have these three-ring binders of stuff which they don't really understand. And I knew, I knew all this, and so I wanted to give them something where they weren't just stage-managed, something where they could actually make a policy choice. <clears throat> So I went through the ODOT budget, and I picked out a couple things that I knew to be totally discretionary, because a lot of the money is, is dedicated. And I said, well, here's an item. For six years now, you've been running this program called Drive Less, Save More. It costs about $2, $2 million in the biennium coming up. And I said, you've been doing it for six years. Don't you think we've already said everything you can possibly say about Drive Less, Save More? So can't we just euthanize this program and free up $2 million? This is... FHWA, federal money that comes in, is called flex funds. It can be used for anything they want. I said, you're the legislature. Why don't you kill off this goofy little program and free up $2 million for some other purpose? Any other purpose. I don't care. Just be a legislature. Well, the front page of the Oregonian, there was a story three days ago of a freshman legislator who actually followed up on that a month later, tried to do it. 
uh, total pushback, and in the work session the other day, he was the lone vote against the ODOT budget because the decision makers and legislature have decided, for other reasons, that this program must continue. I thought, wow, if you can't kill this program, how are you as legislators ever going to kill anything? Or how are you even going to act like legislators and take control of the bureaucracy? It, it's sad. And I don't think the Oregon legislature is unique in this regard. Is this on? Okay. Well, first of all, many of you know that I've been speaking out with concerns about this project. Um, there is another $25 million in the transportation budget uh, that was passed by the Washington State Legislature this year. Uh, unfortunately, the, we vote on the budget as a, as a total. So we don't necessarily vote on a single project. Um, I did actually try to take some of that money uh, out of the uh, CRC portion and try to use it someplace that would actually do us some good. Um, based on what I've heard today from, from Ms. Couch, um, this week I'm going to be calling the state auditor and perhaps even the state attorney general to look into what's going on with, with the CRC. I, I want to make sure that, that they are being audited on a regular basis. Um, our state auditor is, is required to audit over, I think, 2,300 uh, government entities within the state uh, to do financial audits. Um, all the counties, all the cities, uh, school districts, any taxing district can be subject to an audit. Um, so I, I need to make sure that uh, the CRC is falling under that, too, and make sure that the, uh, the state auditor is, is following through on that. Uh, I may even request that there be a performance audit on the CRC, although I think we all know how that would turn out, uh, that they're not performing. Um, if I may, I'd like to just make a few remarks regarding this, this whole project um, and concerns that I've had about it uh, for a number of years. Uh, first of all, uh, last year I sat through a finance committee meeting in the, in the state legislature with the city of Hoquiam, population 8,700. Uh, came to the legislature and they were saying that um, they need a third bridge. 8,700 people, they need a third bridge. I look at Cowlitz County and the Cowlitz River. Uh, in about 15 miles, if you travel up I-5, about 15 miles worth, um, you will find that there are five different crossings across the Cowlitz River for a county with a population of 100,000. Here we sit in Clark County with a population of over 400,000, a million and a half or so across the river. We're looking at roughly a metropolitan area of, of roughly 2 million people, and somehow people think this can be done with two bridges. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, in a discussion with um, Don Wagner of the DOT a few years ago, um, I don't think he realized, but he is the one who actually inadvertently convinced me that a third bridge was necessary. Uh, and he did so by talking about how so much traffic comes into the I-5 corridor at SR-500, 4th Plain, Mill Plain, and SR-14. And he stated that the reason we, why we needed two of the lanes on the bridge was for that traffic to dump off at Jansen Beach. So my question to him is, well, why don't we just build a third bridge and not bring that traffic into the corridor in the first place? Uh, and that pretty well set it in stone as to, to what my position was. 
Um, I think the 192nd Avenue is, is definitely a, a, a reasonable approach. I think something maybe um, closer to Lisa Road, um, just before you drop down off the heights uh, and down onto the flats coming in uh, by Pearson Field, would be a good place to take off and put traffic into um, Jansen Beach without having to come onto I-5. Um, I think there are opportunities to do that. I just think it needs to be studied a little further uh, and, and worked on. And then certainly a, a west bypass that perhaps comes off at Main Street, um, maybe uh, do some realignment of the intersection at, at Main Street and 39th uh, and get some of the, the truck traffic. It's an, it's an easy off-ramp there for, for trucks. Give them an easy transition onto 39th, get them down to the port, um, and put a crossing over to Oregon there. So there are three viable options for a, a, a third bridge that would get congestion off of the I-5 corridor uh, and solve a lot of the problems. One of the really big problems that I see uh, with doing a five lanes each way, God forbid they ever went with six, is they just expanded Delta Park from, from two lanes to three. And it seems to me if they had any intention whatsoever of expanding that to four, they would have already done it when they were expanding it to three. So it tells me that that is a long, long, long way in the future and is highly unlikely to happen, and it would be extremely expensive for them to do. Uh, you also have choke points at Lombard with uh, additional traffic coming in. You have choke points at the Rose Quarter. Uh, we've heard today about choke points at Highway 26, which is one of the reasons why you need to bypass and to, and to get people across the river before they ever get to, uh, to the I-5 crossing. So there's, there's a lot of evidence that clearly shows something different has to be done than what really, in effect, is a boondoggle. Uh, I, I can't really call it anything else. Um, light rail uh, is... It just takes up space. We saw that today. It takes up space, doesn't provide um, lanes. Uh, and what I thought was really interesting is, is we saw on that, that section of, of 205 where you saw the backup of vehicles. It was a constant stream of vehicles, and there wasn't a light rail train anywhere on those tracks. And that just tells me that that is just wasted space that is not being used adequately. And more lane miles is actually what's going, going to solve a lot of our congestion problems. Tolls. Um, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up with tolls, so I'm not opposed to tolls. My concern here with tolls is that Washington residents would pay a disproportionate share than what Oregon would. And, and sitting in one of the meetings that I sat in, um, a lot of the, the uh, infrastructure that is going to be uh, built is going to be south of the bridge. And there are going to be a lot of Oregonians who are going to be able to use that infrastructure that Washingtonians are paying for and never have to pay a cent in tolls. And that is just absolutely unfair to the citizens of this state. And I will not stand by and, or sit by quietly uh, and allow that to happen. I'm going to continue to speak out against it for that reason. <laughs> Finally, I want to talk about the countywide vote that, that there's been um, concerns about. Uh, as many of you know, I wrote a letter to, um, to the county commissioners, and I do want to apologize to the county commissioners for them receiving it from a third party. Um, we, we put it in the mail to them, and then we, we uh, 
emailed a copy of it to the constituent who requested that we do so. And without the constituent, the constituent didn't realize we'd put the other one in the mail, and so he forwarded it. And so um, it was accidentally received by the uh, commissioners uh, through the constituent rather than us. So it's, I do wish to, again, publicly apologize to the county commissioners for, for them receiving it that way. Um, but there was a we, – we found a, a potential opportunity or a potential method uh, for the county commissioners to do a countywide vote. Uh, it may not be the best way to do it, uh, but it just shows that there are, there are ways that the county can do it uh, to get an advisory vote. Um, after I sent the letter, you know, I, I continued to think on this and thought, you know, if CTRAN – would just return the district to a countywide district rather than the sub-district they've created, then everybody would get a chance to vote on it anyway. Um, it was gerrymandered in the first place and never should have been. And now we're seeing in the news that, that CTRAN is, is looking at um, gerrymandering a sub-district of what I consider to already be a sub-district of, of Clark County. So they're very clearly trying to gerrymander this thing very simply for one reason, and that's to get it down to where they can get a 50% plus one vote in favor of light rail, despite what the majority of the county wants and despite who the majority is that will actually be paying those taxes. So those are my concerns with the project. I'll continue to, to work with all of you uh, and continue to try and make sure that we have whatever project we have actually solves congestion, does it in an affordable manner, and is, is paid for fairly on both sides of the river, not entirely by folks on this side. Thank you. Good. Some more comments? Just real fast, uh, Ed is my mentor, and I'm a freshman legislator, so I'll just ditto everything that Ed says, because, is that right, Ed? Am I supposed to do that? Right? Right, Ed? You don't have to do that, right. but it's appreciated. All right, all right, all right. And Ed's my seatmate. I sit next to Ed. The only thing I would say, uh, and it's not contrary at all to what Ed said, is I, I would appreciate that uh, regarding tolling, I, I really believe, first off, I've been very outspoken. I don't think that any of you question where I stand on the bridge and, and tolling, and especially light rail, but that our citizens that work in Oregon need to be given free tolling. We're the third largest economic engine in the state of Oregon, and our people that commute across and work in the state of Oregon need free tolling. If tolling ends up happening, they need free tolling if anybody does. Other than that, I completely agree with everything Ed said, and Ed, I'd love to be on that letter, and I think we ought to try to get the other constituents in this area that are representatives to sign onto that letter for the audit. Tiffany, I appreciated your information. Isn't it interesting? We could never run a business this way. Yeah, you got that right. All right, our next question. How much of the cost is demolition of hotels, homes, and businesses? Which businesses are scheduled for demo? The train on Interstate to Expo is not heavily used, and they are hoping Vancouver will bail them out. Who would like to tackle that one? Tiffany? I can't give specific answers now on who, but uh, during our meeting, was it the last meeting two weeks ago or four weeks ago, Ms. Boyd indicated that they were starting escrow already and were already purchasing um, land in some of these properties, specifically the hotel across the way, I believe, is in escrow already. Um, 
and maybe somebody else here knows about the who's that's one of the relationship things we're looking into is who owns the properties um, that are going to be I don't know if it's going to be eminent domain or, or purchased from um, by WashDOT or the CRC for this project but they are starting escrow already um, and when we indicated that they hadn't even really decided on what the bridge was going to be and where it was going to be how can you start already going to escrow and purchasing land she literally it, it just seemed like I, I'm not sure they wanted that information out but they are starting that process our next question what is the most effective way to dissolve the CRC public-private partnership stop funding them Not sure this is a question. It says more on environmental impacts. I guess maybe framed as a question is there more work that needs to be done to study environmental impact? They spent 20 million on environmental impact? I, I guess what I would say regarding environmental impacts have we not built bridges across rivers before? Do we need to spend $20 million in new studies to determine what the impact is of building a bridge over a river when we've got how many? thousands of bridges over rivers already it's ridiculous and that's one of the areas where we really need some reforms and I definitely support such reforms and I and I believe that the uh, we're gonna actually have fewer pylons now in in the water is that correct than than we currently have so I, I don't know why the impact would be that why we're continuing to study it so much okay next question will citizens be able to vote on light rail Will citizens of Clark County be able to vote on new I-5 bridge? And the third part is, is it true that the bridge cannot be built without inclusion of light rail? I don't know what will happen north of the river, but I can tell you south of the river, citizens are no longer allowed to vote because they weren't voting properly. The last two votes that we had in 97 and 98, one was a tr statewide vote, the other was a tri-county vote for the north, what was then called the South-North Light Rail Project, uh, ultimately to get to, to Mecca, apparently, which is Vancouver. Um, <laughs> both of those votes went down. So since people didn't get the memo about how they're supposed to vote, we are no longer allowed to vote. And since then, we've built the red line and the yellow line and the green line and we've incurred lots of debt, and we've never had a chance to vote, and now we have the most expensive project ever built, the $205 million per mile boondoggle to Milwaukee, also without a vote. Um, so the, the issue of capital and operating costs and who's going to pay from the Oregon side, uh, actually including the two payroll tax rate increases that are sending a gusher of cash to TriMet, um, None of that gets voted on by the people. That's the policy of Oregon. And our mayor, not our, I don't live in Portland anymore, fortunately. The mayor of Portland has said if there's no light rail, there's no project. My view is, fine. That's a good deal. <laughs> uh, 
again, I'll just refer to the research that we do on policy issues and also to use Sound Transit Agency in the Puget Sound region as an example because they're about a 10 years ahead of where light rail over the Columbia would be. And I would just make two observations. First is that state agencies – this is going to sound harsh, but I think it's true they, – they really don't care what people think once their funding is secured. So once a funding stream is secured, it's a tax base or tolling or car license registration, whatever it is that creates a funding stream that goes to the agency, public votes, public opinion after that is irrelevant. And that is what's happened in the King County Puget Sound region. The second point is we, we tend to think of let's vote on this project or let's vote on what this agency is doing. And in a democracy, that's not really effective what, what is effective is we vote for people. We vote for candidates for office. So connecting the light rail issue, if that's what people are concerned about, with people who are running for office every two years, every four years, that will get a response. As soon as candidates for office begin to see that, uh, that light rail is a negative for them for either election or re-election, that's when the public makes their voice heard is through those regular elections. Based on what I can tell, there will be no vote on the bridge, and it will be a limited vote on light rail. Um, but I think in light of what's happened over the last several years, um, the fact that citizens have been shouted down, gaveled down, called goofballs, and basically had their suggestions ignored um, or dismissed, I think you should have uh, the opportunity to vote on the entire project, uh, and I think it should be a countywide vote. Very good. Well, that, that answers the third part of this question, which was kind of a duplicate from earlier. So the last one that we have time for today is, is this presentation being covered by the media? If so, which ones? I think one answer might be it's being covered by Coov.com. Are there any other members of the media here today? Looks like Coov.com owns this thing. The coverage. All right, well, I'll turn it back over to Josephine. Thank you, Tom. You did a great job. Let's give a hand for Tom Han, We the People. As far as the media is concerned, we had contacted all the medias around. We do have some writers in here, and their stories could be submitted, but we did contact the medias around, and we did invite them. So, do they want... The people to know the truth? What do you think? <laughs> so anyway, um, I just want to thank the legislators for coming here. I'm going to give them a couple of minutes of last two minutes each and give them last minute um, comments. And then we'll turn it over to Mr. Medor and do the um, Tom Milkey, do the final drawing. And then we'll go from there. Thanks. Mr. Orcott, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> do you have a couple minutes of comments? Uh, I think I've pretty well made uh, my position pretty clear, what I believe and, and what I think all of you deserve. I just want to thank all of you for, for being diligent, um, being a, a voice, a very loud and a very consistent voice. Um, we're not going to win on this without the work that you're doing. Uh, whether we can actually win on this, I don't know. But uh, I know we certainly wouldn't. Uh, if you weren't out there working hard and, and being a voice, a consistent voice. So I want to thank you for all that you're doing. I'm sorry. Well, we're going to we're going to ask him. 
Okay, Tom, can you talk about that? Take your own speaker. All right, thank you. Uh, I, I tell you, it's not without effort. Um, I personally uh, took it to the uh, Board of Commissioners and was told by our legal staff that we didn't have the authority to ask. I then took it to the Regional Transportation Council that I sit on that oversees the CRC project, and the same legal staff said that they didn't have the authority to ask or put it to a vote or even an advisory vote. I also sat on the CTRAN board. I then took it to the CTRAN board and asked for an advisory vote from CTRAN. I could not get a second. So while this seems to be manipulated and directed and agenda-driven for light rail, uh, that's more of an argument why I have to appreciate people like you to give me strength to go back and bang my head against that wall. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And I might add, you know, this is what we're finding, uh, Mr. Medor and uh, Tiffany and I and all those that have been fighting. This is what we're finding is that what's being shown to us is not accurate. It's really sad when legislators, our representatives, are not involved in this process and they're kept in the dark. And the mayor, who some of you may have seen me going to city council, champion speaker, according to the Colombian, they would cover that, but they wouldn't cover something as important as this. Go figure. They make it make us believe that this is the legislature's problem. And Mr. Mayor Tim Levitt has told me numerous times, this does not belong to city council. Never mind that they are the ones behind this mess. Never mind that the ones that we have right now that are running for re-election are the ones that have been block voting against the citizens on CTRAN. Now, how do you figure CTRAN, a little bus transportation, rules the states on this decision and over us? People, we have a problem. Tiffany can't see corruption. I think the rest of us see differently. Paul Harris, do you have something to say about this? Because Paul wrote a letter to the federal government protesting, and I'll let him explain. Well, it wasn't just myself, I think, Ed, a number of numerous legislators. We sent a, a letter to the Federal Department of Transportation, and uh, we're basically asking them to basically cease or at least give the, an opportunity for the people in our area to vote. And uh, we got a letter, we got a, we got a re response back from, from the Federal Department of Transportation, which basically in, in a night, well, in so much a, a word says to keep your mouth shut, and let this project proceed. And actually that the project was going to proceed really no matter with what I said. And I think it was signed on by Ed, myself, Ann Rivers, pretty much Don Benton, Zarelli, pretty much the Republican caucus in this area, and uh, that, that the project would proceed. So my big concern, honestly, is transparency of us being listened to, of us having an opportunity to vote on it, and uh, for the role of people actually to take place in this. I, I, I really am concerned that we're completely being shut out. Um, and really what Tiffany has brought up today is that, you know, we, we have no accounting for what's going on. We spent about 100, and, I guess we really don't know, anywhere between 108 and $140 million on something, and we don't know where the money came from. We don't know where it's gone. And 
We just don't. We, we should not do business that way. And as a freshman legislator this year, we took and we cut five point three billion dollars out of the budget, and I can see why. Because if we're going to continue to do business this way, then we're going to end up in the hole again. We cannot continue to function this way. We need accountability on everything. Thank you, Paul.